Hello and welcome to Howl Talk. I'm your host, Jesse Shapiro. And I'm Jack Weinman. And today we're joined by a very, very special Jewish guest, Jacob Ingor. Jacob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I flew here from New York, so it's a very good honor to be in the Shapiro's household today. All right. Well, we start off the show today as we do every other show. We read the challah. Today, it's uh, breadsmith, artisan, challah. Artisan. Wow. So that means something. It's good. It's special. That means it's good. Picked it up. New brand, Mariano's. What are we thinking about this? Right off the bat, it's a little, the color is it's 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 duller than most mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it smells sweet yeah <laughs> but you know what i mean it's a little more gray on the inside it's artisan it's got a taste here it's very la maybe a little bit herbal i like it <laughs> Jacob, i like it a lot thoughts on the on the lot i'm finishing the chew give me give me a good 10 seconds wow good texture mm-hmm. great feel yeah. yeah really good yeah the last hala i had Pretty dry, to be honest. This one definitely, no problem with that. Very moist, very, mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. A real good chew. It's a good chew. It's got a good feel. It's got good weight. I really like it. Yeah. This is a good challah. Yeah. It's almost like a homemade challah. The but color is kind of throwing me off, though. It is. It's I, sort I, of like a cinnamon roll. Yeah, it gray. does smell like sweet. Like I almost get the hint of like there's raisins in it, mm. but there's no raisins, which for me is a bonus. I don't like raisins, but mm-hmm. I don't like raisins either. You? I don't really like it in my challah, to be honest. Yeah. In my bread, but I mean, you giving me a a pack of you know what do you call them? The sun. You know, I know what you're talking about. Whatever. Yeah, with the yellow packaging. Yeah, uh, I know what you mean. I'll eat those. I mean, those are good, but those are good. I don't like them in my bread. It's very nutritious, but yeah, stay away from the challah. If you don't know, rated on a scale one to six per guest, three sixes and an eighteen. Challah fame, of course. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're gonna get there today, uh-huh. um, as our we did last time mm-hmm. with uh, the Deb Weinman law. Unbelievable challah by Deb Weinman. But um, yeah, Jacob, what are you thinking? Scale one to six. I mean, I feel like I'm going to be biased because the last hala I had was not nearly as good as this one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be a little high compared to your guys' scores, but this is like a 4-5. Wow. I mean, yeah. It's not a 6 for sure. It's not mm-hmm. the best I've ever had, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it's high. I'm with you 100%. Before you even said that, I was thinking 4-5. Damn. Um, I really like this. Yeah, I think that's honestly a, a perfect score. That's a pro score right there, four or five. It's it's not homemade, but it it has the potential to be great. Um, so, Breadsmith, Artisan Hala, four point five plus four point five plus four point five. What is that? Get the calculator. Thirteen point five. I think thirteen point five. Let me get the calculator out. Just double check. Because four point five plus four point five is nine. Plus another 4.5. That's going to be 13.5. 13.5. Thank you, Leo. 13.5 out of 18. That's a a good good score. So, Jacob, you know, we brought you on the podcast. We're very excited to have you here. We just, you know, maybe want to take some time out of this episode to talk about certain things, certain experiences that are central to the Jewish childhood Mm. experience. Mm. 
So what do you think a couple of those things are? You know, I know as we continue this show, we'll get to more and more, obviously, Mm -hmm. but the one that pops right in my head is uh, the fact that the Jewish family at a young age, you know, we're not particularly an athletic group of people. Well, we don't want to. Yet, our parents (laughs) shove us into at least three to 17 (laughs) sports within five years of us living. I was playing tennis swimming. I did karate. I mean, by the way, I hated like all of these. And I I was pretty much an entire introvert when I was young. So going up in front of like at least 20 different like 10 year olds trying to chop a wooden block and then not being able to do it uh, is probably one of the most humiliating things a 10 year old can go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I haven't really studied why this occurs. Mm-hmm. I would love to dive down more, but another thing that pops up has to be the trips to the East Coast, more specifically, New York. And, yeah. uh, you know, as you were saying before, Jesse, before this started, I think every Jew has a connection to New York. I don't know how, but it can be your great-grandfather's uncle's wife's cousin who lives in Queens, and you'll stay with her for the holidays for some reason, Mm -hmm. and it'll be really fun. But, yeah, I have a couple of New York stories that we can get into. Yeah, absolutely. That New York connection hits home with me for sure. It's it's very true, and I think that coming from the the Midwest when you, you grow up with family in New York, it gives you a little bit of a sense of pride because New York, it's a very cool place. Yeah. I, I have cousins, um, you know, second cousins that, that live there. Uh, I haven't been there as much as you have, Jesse. I mean, you mentioned it the other day, three times a year. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty... That's the average amount of time. I mean, yeah. I, I, during COVID, it's a little less because of right. restrictions. But, uh, you know, in a normal year, I'd say like once or twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think another another part of, you know, growing up Jewish is an appreciation for comedy. Oh, yeah. You know, why do you think that, you know, particularly, you know, Jewish families that we have an affinity and we just love, love comedy, love to laugh? I think it stems from us, uh, you know, making fun of other people. <laughs> A lot of times ourselves where... You know, maybe you're at the dinner table, you know, maybe somebody's eating a little too much. You're like, okay, get your grubby hands off the food. You've already had enough. Let the children eat, stuff like that. (laughs) But I think a lot of, you know, there's Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David. Those are two of probably the most well-known Jewish comics, I would say, in America. And they've, because they're so mainstream, I think it broadcasts to a lot of, other American households, so, you know, whether it's by, like, choice or not, you know, we love comedy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that, you know, that's very true. You know, Jews and comedy, it's like, it's like peanut butter and jelly. I also think that, you know, a lot of comedy, maybe, you know, you, you have to be able to laugh at yourself. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes comedy comes from a little bit of pain, almost. Yeah. And the Jewish people... 
have a lot in of history, pain. Yeah, we have a lot, of, a lot, we have of, a lot of, pain. of pain for sure. So you yeah. know, we know how to, you know, you know, laughter is the is the, is the, the best medicine. Best medicine, yeah. Yeah, as my dad says, you can't you can't dish it out uh, without being able to be dished at. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think that definitely applies here. Um, for sure. And it's not like I don't like a good Jewish joke. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, who doesn't? <laughs> um, I mean, especially. I, I mean, less so Holocaust jokes, but more. I'm so not a well, fan of course. those. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I think that's a very sensitive subject. But for... I think more like, you know, short. Yeah. Um, no, I the think nose, that nose, yeah. you know we have to be able as Jewish people to sort of laugh at each other because there are so many Jewish moments like within our family. Specifically, you know, Jewish Jewish mothers. Yeah. And I think Jewish mothers, you know, it's it unless you watch, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm and you see, you know, Susie Green, you don't really like you don't really get a full understanding of what it's like growing up with a Jewish mother. They're a staple of the the hierarchy within Judaism. I mean, mm-hmm. th- those are the people who call the shots. You know, it's mm-hmm. if you if you want to go to a certain dinner place, but uh, the mother does not. She overrules everyone. You know, it's kind of that. You know, as long as uh, the mom's happy, mm-hmm. the the whole family's happy. And more specifically to Judaism, I feel like, you know, at least with my mom. Uh, she cares very much about who I surround myself with, especially, you know, now that we're going into college mm-hmm. in less than a year. When I was doing my college search early in September, you know, I was looking at population sizes. I was looking at the courses I could take, what majors I wanted to do, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. My mom's more like, how many Jewish girls are on campus, you know? Like, how many, is there a Hillel? Like, is there a rabbi there? And it's like, mom, I'm not going to go to temple, like, every every week. And she's like, but you never know what could happen. And it's like, you know, for some reason, if if God, you know, does something, and I t- turn uber religious, you know, at least I'll have a Hillel at the college. Yeah, absolutely. My mom, um, when I was looking at places to play, she would, you know, we'd be talking about the the team and the you know program and what all that's like. But I'd look at my email every single day, and she'd send me, you know, you know, call the halal person, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, talking to these uh, coaches. But um, yeah, it's, it was sort of funny. I remember um, talking to a. Uh, a few schools, and um, I, my mom made me call the person from the halal, really? the student representative from the halal. Wow! And I talked to her, and she said there were only, you know, two hundred Jewish people in a very big university with sure. twenty thousand kids. Mm-hmm. And when I told my mom that, she was like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, like." <laughs> Like, eh, you're probably you're probably not gonna have that as an option too yeah. long. I don't know. What do you think about the Jewish mother experience, Jay? You know, when it, I mean, when we're talking college search, um, I mean, she was less concerned about, you know, Jewish population and Hillel and all that. Although, I mean, with my siblings at college, she's always 
you know, making sure they're going to Rosh Hashanah services. Really? And, yeah. Wow. Oh, is, God. I, oh, boy. That, <laughs> can't wait for that one, because I'm definitely going to have that yeah. talk. Um, but I think just the more, you know, staying on top of things, mm. um, you know, call it, make sure talking to my college counselor, um, and even, you know, her speaking to my college counselor, mm-hmm. um, which was just completely unnecessary. Yeah. You know, stuff like that really yeah. just what, defines the Jewish mother. I, this might just be me, but I, I think that, uh, you know, Jewish mothers, and we love them so much, right? Of course. Do you, do, do you think that repetition, like Jewish, like the love for repetition, repeating themselves, making sure you know, their point is heard. Do you think they know they're repeating themselves or is it just like a built-in automatic like thing? You know? I'm really not sure. I feel like I relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a you know, mother thing. Um, but I'm, I'm sure I'm certain it's a Jew thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you know, if I'm feeling that way, you know, I like making sure that um, you, to let somebody know that I'm right, and your, mm-hmm. you know, your opinion is. Yeah, wrong, yeah, your opinion is not as good as mine. But um, uh, you know, you know, Josh Rad. I mean, you look course. at Josh Rad. I mean, yes. that's the definition of loves to be right. Loves to be right. Um, mm-hmm. But I think repetition is. Is a you know characteristic of Jewish mothers, but mm-hmm. and we love Jewish mothers. We just want to say that yeah. we're very pro Jewish mothers on this podcast. Yeah, we are not anti Jewish mothers. So, Jacob, sort of talking about your high school experience, you've tried many different things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just trying to reflect as soon as you said that you know some flashbacks come into the mm-hmm. come into the noggin but yeah you know as a freshman uh going to a i came from a very small feeder school i went to marie murphy really yeah i think there's like 90 90 kids mm-hmm. there. i don't don't quote me on that one mm-hmm. what do you do there I don't know, like Zach Moskowitz yeah. was there, so that's that's all I needed. Shout out Dr. Mosh. Yeah, Dr. Mosh. dude, absolute legend on the field. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, so I started I started doing debate freshman year. Um, you know, it's funny. My mother and I have arguments as to who forced me into it, whether it was her or whether it was me tricking myself into thinking I wanted to do it. I think she forced me into it. She says that I had the idea for it. I'm gonna be perfectly honest, my memory is quite not not up to standards, so I have no clue. But it led me down a path for the next two and a half-ish years mm-hmm. where that was my main activity. I at one point even went to a debate camp over the summer at Northwestern wow. and yeah the it's it's somewhat of a fun experience i think if you are if you are seriously invested which i was not um, <laughs> that should have been a red flag right away it was just like <laughs> i didn't care um, because you know immediately you're put into this hyper competitive environment of I want to be the best. I want, you know, it's kind of like the Jewish mentality. Like your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, that, but... it's like, you know, but 
a lot of these kids, you can look back and they're going to be debating in college. Mm -hmm. So obviously, some pretty great competition that I had to go up against. Needless to say, in my full debate career, I probably went two and like 20. So <laughs> not the greatest record, but we had some fun experiences. And then I immediately left to go to track and field. Wow, oh, took his talents to, <laughs> took to the my track. Took my talents to the track, yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. So had you ever, you know, been an athlete before? You know, was there a, you mentioned that early on, you know, there was, you were involved in certain activities, but it seemed like there was a break from probably, what, age six to age yeah. 16? <laughs> yeah, doing good. any physical activity? Yeah, you know, I was, I was uh, one of the bigger kids on the playing field. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I would say the only sport that I kept up um, semi-serious semi, like mm -hmm. when I was a bit younger, I did continue tennis a little bit longer than every other sport. Mm -hmm. um, I particularly hated the water, which is why swimming and diving was not my uh, cup of tea. Me neither, yeah. Yeah, no, I hate that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, there's Centennial Tennis Club, which is in Wilmette, and I, when we moved to the suburbs, that was my main place. I, I played probably, I think I had lessons twice a week because, you know, my father was like, you're going to be a tennis pro, and it's like, <laughs> I'm not. Read, read the stats. <laughs> yeah, really. I don't even remember what my record is then, but um, yeah, I was not good. I probably continued... Again, I have a horrible memory, but I'd say until I was like 12 mm -hmm. playing tennis. And then, you know, from 12 to 16, I wasn't fat, but I definitely <laughs> wasn't great at keeping in shape. So, you know, as I like to say it, at the DMV, when I got my license, um, you know, she said, what's your height and weight? And I go, oh, I haven't done that in a while. Let me guess. So I guessed, and I was like 170. When I went home, I weighed myself. I was 140. <laughs> so I guessed a complete 30 pounds over. And on my license to this day, you can see that I'm like 175.8. I'm 5'7". Like, I don't... My dimensions for my license, if I ever get pulled over, they're going to think it's a different person. But, um, yeah, like... I didn't know the... When you put your height on the license... You wait five years until you get a new one, so mine still says, you know, I don't mean to flex, you know, I'm not your, I don't even want to finish this story, but it, it might say a height that I'm not mm. on my license. So it's going to say, like, you know, before it said 5'10", but now it's going to say, what, 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. let's just say now, you know, we're, we're um, above the, the threshold. We, we, we hold an angst against you because of that. Yeah. You, you went into the, the rugby. You went into rugby. That, yeah. that seemed like a, a pretty odd shift. God knows what my brain was thinking at that, <laughs> at that moment. Or as my mother put it. I, I wanted... She thought that I wanted, like, a better community within Nutrier. Mm -hmm. Like, I, of course, I had my friend group. I had, I had, you know, my individual social circles and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yoder. Yeah, Yo, Ben Yoder. Shout out to Yoder. Uh, past guest of Holotosh. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think I was looking for some sense of community that I had not found yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just so happened that um, 
that was going to be found when I was going to be absolutely slammed to the ground and beaten up. Yeah. Um, because, you know, in rugby, there's the forwards and then there's the backs. Um, two distinct weight classes. And another problem, going back to the license thing, mm-hmm. is, you know, these backs are probably, like, Yoder-sized. Mm-hmm. They're probably, like, 130 um, you know, what, however tall he is, I don't know. Um, so, and then the forwards are like, you know, 200 pounds up. So I'm stuck in the middle of like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. You're a tweener. You're you know, a tweener. I'm, I'm not the fastest guy on the field, but, uh, I do like to flex. I, I did beat the freshman class last year in a sprint. So, um, <laughs> that's right. I'm better than freshmen. Oh boy. Yeah. Got to beat somebody in this world. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was stuck in between two weight classes, and the coaches were like, yeah, just put him in the forwards. Horrible idea, because we played Brother Rice, and I remember this wholeheartedly. I do not know what they feed the kids there, but these guys were like mammoths. At least, like, 250 pounds, like, six foot something. Mm-hmm. Like, Double the size of you, Jesse. Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah, and you could easily, like, kill me. So, <laughs> I don't think so. So, you know, it's either you run into them or they run into you. Sadly, most of the game was them running into me. <laughs> so after the game, you know, I go home, I undress, take a shower, obviously, and then I'm walking, and my mom's like, you have, like, three bruises just, like, across the side. (laughs) Like, my obliques were just, like, purple. And then she was like, you know what? Maybe this is a bad idea. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to die. So that was a little short stint of my life. Needless to say, it probably helped me figure out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, hopefully I don't, uh, have internal bleeding anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. I I think that everybody at some point in their you know childhood should play a contact sport. That's just an opinion of mine. Yeah, although lacrosse is like very very, you know, on the outside when you don't know much about it, I'm thinking, oh, it's it's just a lot of it's a lot of skill, not a lot of contact. And then I'll watch some of your clips you know on your highlight reel or something and you're just like whacking kids yeah that hurts sometimes i remember i went over here to play ping pong with Mm -hmm. you and leo your wrist was like completely taped up i was like what happened you were like some guy like like chopped me i was like what it happens mom if you're listening you know i you know i try to stay away from from the big guys so they don't they don't hurt me yeah Jesse is the big guy that takes that. Not, not really. Not, not really. But so you, you go from rugby to track. And I, sort yeah. of just like what I find so funny about this whole experience is that you mentioned that you're not a very athletic person. Oh, yeah. But not you even find the, yourself in not these sports even, yeah. that are extremely physical. Not even taxing. the slightest. Like if you put me up against a seventh grader, I think <laughs> they could beat me. Um, yeah, I think I think the main the main reason I got into track, I believe, was Benjamin Yoder. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how he got me to do it because God knows he's seen me run a two hundred and it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. But um, 
yeah, I think he was, he just took me in his car one day and he was like, Coach Wukas, this is Jacob, and he's going to run. And I was like, what? And then Wukas was like, you look like a hurdler. And I go, <laughs> oh, God, no. And so I had to try hurdles. And then once he saw me do that, he was like, nah, you're just going to run. Like, nah, we're not going to do that. Which, God bless Wukas, because I would have been in the hospital at least three times now if I was a hurdler. So how did you, you know, you're well known in the track community. Oh, of course. Sort of like a, you know. Almost a legend status. Some would say. Some would say. How do you get the nickname Python? So again, uh, as a lot of my origins come from, uh, one practice, I believe, I was wearing um, fairly high shorts. And (laughs) (laughs) Ben Yoder, Mr. Yoder uh, uh, himself was, I don't know, we were probably running like a 200 or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Yoder out of nowhere is just like the python and I'm like don't know what you just said I'm probably winded I'm dizzy you know I don't know what he said and so that goes on for a couple days but then what really you know scares me into shock is one of the captains of last year Henry Plant uh, who's at Texas right now Plant I hope you're listening you're probably not Um, he he was like all right python and you know the context surrounding this he was a very introverted person Mm -hmm. so like he didn't talk to a lot of people for some reason you know he talked to me a lot uh i I counted as a blessing maybe it's my social butterfly aura (laughs) that just you know goes through the whole room when i enter but you know he was like all right python i want to see you run like like a 27 second 200 and I was like what and then you know like the gun goes off so I run but then I go back to him and I'm like what did you call me and he was like Yoder told me your nickname's the python and I'm like excuse me and then it just spreads to like the rest of the team and you know it's become a staple name in the Nutrier Fieldhouse now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to beat anybody, you got to beat the Python before you beat anybody else. Not much of a challenge, but you know, the name sounds sounds menacing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, God knows why Yoder chose that name, but uh, maybe he can come on a second time and explain <laughs> why he specifically chose the Python. But I am, I will respond to that now. Uh, throughout all of society, even in school, much so that Wukas actually calls me Python now, because he doesn't know my real name sometimes. So that's even better. So you know, let's transition away from your you know athletic prowess. Of course. A little bit. <laughs> You're very interested in psychology. Yeah. What specifically about psychology really grabs you? You know. Um, I really like, I do believe every part of psychology, (laughs) uh, Leo. Are we allowed to throw that word around? Schmuck? We're Jews. No, 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 but I, of course, in in this sense, but if, um, 
you know what like a non-jew yeah. i mean a, like if a, non, a non-jew says it what are we to ask what do you well think? i think if like if i'm oh. with jesse on the subway and i see some guy being like an ass i can be like what a schmuck, schmuck. schmuck. Yeah. yeah absolutely like That's, i've actually yeah if, yeah if 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 a non-jew comes across the word and refers do to they understand schmuck, what so, it means because some of them think it's like a racial epithet and it's like no yeah. it just means you're a dick so yeah. what i've been doing um as the you know sole member of the Jewish population on the neutral lacrosse team, is every single time in the you know we're in the stretching lines, I'm introducing a new Yiddish word right. every like week. Like spitzing, are you spitzing? Exactly. Yeah. So I you know it's it was the first sixty degree day, and I'm saying you know I yell out you know does anybody know Yiddish? And everybody's looking at me like you know Jesse, you're Jesse, going up, mental. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'd say like. The first lesson today is schwitzing. I'm schwitzing right yeah. now. I'm, schwitzing. I, you know, I'm not fully sweating, but I'm getting there. You like, feel I'm, damn. I'm getting You're a damn. little bit uncomfortable <laughs> right now. I'm schwitzing. Yeah. So we'll see what the next word of the week is. Yeah, maybe, you know, if I, if somebody antagonizes me on the field, I'll call them a schmuck, and that'll throw them off in their mental game. That's good. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Tom, you got a yeah. little schmutz here. Yeah, you got a little schmutz. <laughs> hey, you got a little schmutz here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, psychology. <laughs> uh, what comes to mind immediately, which was what originally sort of got me interested in psychology, was, um, like, group studies specifically on, like, the wording effect. So the wording effect is, as it seems, is just, like, how you phrase words. So a study, I don't remember, it was, it was before 9-11, so I'm going to say 2000. Mm-hmm. They took these uh, people in a study group and they said, how do you feel about, you know, um, global warming? And then some of them were like, oh, it's not real. It's not a big deal. And then a small portion of them were like, it's worrisome. But, you know, in another study, um, in another group of the study, they said, how do you feel about climate change? And they're like, oh, that's that's not as serious. Like, that's not impending danger as as um, global warming is, because global warming can be very threatening. It's like, ah, oh, like, we're all going to die type, you know, that type of beat. Mm-hmm. And climate change is more like, okay, it's an issue that we need to fix, but we're not all going to die immediately. And I think people, it's interesting to see people more responsive to that just because the words are literally like two different words. Mm-hmm. It's climate change instead of global warming. Which is interesting because you would think they have the same like morals or ethics or ideas behind the way they conduct themselves. But really, with many people, if you tweak the framework of how you say it or, you know, your argument, they tend to actually go back on what they said before, which I think is really interesting. But yeah, I mean, there's thousands of different ways that psychology influences us. There's even sociology, which is the study of groups and stuff like that, which another interesting thing. But do you, uh, you know, potentially see this as a path you might take uh, in college and, you know, in the future? Uh, it's quite, quite possible. You know, it definitely depends where I end up. Some schools have better programs than others in psychology and versus like sociology or something else. You know, I. I, I don't know specifically what my path is, yet I still don't like saying I'm undecided because I feel like it's between, like, one or two things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
not anything against undecided people, but I feel like, you know, if you say you're undecided, a lot of people are like, oh, so you have no clue what you want to do in life, basically, you know, and it's like, well, like, I know sort of what I want to do. Like, my dad's in marketing, my mom's a therapist, I don't find extreme interest in either of those things, so... <laughs> That's great, but I mean, yeah. Do you know exactly what you want to? Absolutely not. I I am proudly undecided. All right, all right. Well, that proudly undecided came back to bite me in the ass. No, so. no, no, no. But I guess like what else? You know, in terms of psychology, you talk about the the wording of things. Like what other, what other examples of that would have an effect on, you know, our society? That's a really good question. So. Okay, I have. Don't quote me on what I'm about to say, because it could be wrong. And to whoever's listening, if I offend you, eh, I apologize. It's not that offensive. <laughs> but in the political sphere, a lot of people will look at Nordic countries as either socialist or capitalist with strong social programs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I recently saw a right-wing commentator, who I disagree with very much, tweet... You know, whenever Democrats uh, bring up Nordic countries like Denmark or Norway or something like that, just remember, it's not socialism. It's actually um, capitalism with strong social programs. And my response to that is, if you're against socialism, but that's not socialism, why can't we implement capitalism with strong social programs? But then they go back to... Well, it's socialism, and it's like, but you just said it's not socialism, it's capitalism with strong social, so you get them caught in a pickle, and this isn't just, like, one-sided, I, I assume, you know, Democrats have been caught in a pickle mm -hmm. once or twice, I know, you know, PR-wise, they're not the greatest at uh, marketing and stuffing, stuff like that, but there's, there's things that are like that on a grander scale, where, you know, you say one thing, they agree. You say another thing, that's the exact same as what you just said, and they disagree, and it's like, well, pick a side type, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not eloquently explaining it, but that, no, is, I get what you're that is the essence of... But here's another um, a group thing that they did in, I assume, D.C. or New York. But, but um, a lobby firm, I believe, did the question of... Should cigarette ads and pornography be allowed on television? Or And then they circled allowed, and they said, would you rather it say not allowed or forbidden? And a lot of people believe if you say not allowed, people will still show like pornography and cigarette ads like on the internet, on television. But mm -hmm. if you say forbidden, that's, that's much more of a staple like, oh, like forbidden. But it means like the same thing technically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know why they were talking about cigarettes and pornography, but <laughs> that is that is the state of state of our country. What do you think of teacher swearing? Oh, I love it. It depends. If it's a young teacher, um, I think some of them do it out of not hatred, but like a genuine <laughs> like they want to get their like point across yeah and I think older teachers use it more use it more casually mm -hmm. like you know I, I had a teacher junior year Leo had the same teacher we watched a documentary I forget what it's called but it's about a gay kid who was killed in Wyoming oh Laramie Project Laramie yes Project, yeah. 
And at the end, I remember him just turning off the projector and looks us straight in the eyes and he goes, that's one of the most fucked up things I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And it, he's like, that is acceptable because Mm -hmm. I feel like that makes it more real Mm -hmm. because I think people that don't like swearing think it's always out of hatred. That's why, that's why they don't like people swearing in conversation. You know, I just realized you're going to have to bleep that out. Um, That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, people, people think it's out of hatred when really sometimes it's just trying to prove a point. Or it's friendly. Like if I say like, oh, F you, or like something like, you know, something stupid. Like I'm not saying actually like screw you mm-hmm. or like, you know, I hate Leo. <laughs> I, I actually love Leo. So we it's, all hate Leo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get told that a lot. Nah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there's different, there's different settings where it's appropriate to swear. I think if you're with your friends, you, it's okay. I, I also think, this goes back to comedy, I think a lot of people are offended about certain jokes and while I think there is um, somewhat of a line that you can cross, and some people do it like over and over again, I think as long as there's, it depends. I saw this really good thing that said it depends who you're trying to make laugh. If you're trying to make um, the audience laugh, mm-hmm. and you're trying to make you know like society reflect on itself, that's okay. If it's just like an inherently like racist, anti-Semitic, um, I, I don't know, sexist homophobic. comment, homophobic. Like, if you're just trying to, like, gay bash someone, that's mm-hmm. disgusting. Like, mm-hmm. that's utterly so, that's horrible. But if there's nuance where I remember going to the city and I saw a gay comic perform, mm-hmm. and I heard, like, an older woman who I'm assuming doesn't understand, like, you know, 2020, like, they're all equal and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they're so stuck in the past. But she was like, can he say that? And it's like, well, he's actually, like, I didn't tell her this, but it's, he's gay, right? So he has the right to joke about mm-hmm. his trauma, his problems, et cetera, et cetera. Just so, like the Jews can joke about, like, we've had a really tough time <laughs> in, in, in history. You know, like the whole Egypt thing wasn't great, yada, yada, yada. I'm gonna skip past like a lot of stuff, partially because it's not great to talk about, and also I don't remember a lot of Jewish history if I'm being honest, because Hebrew school was not my thing. That's a blur for me as well. I I think I'm well versed in the Sunday school. Uh, I think my Sunday school education really helped me. Really? Yeah. Really? I find that, really? that you're the first person that I've. I've ever I, heard that. I didn't from. learn anything about wow. Judaism. I learned about sex ed and about how like you need to marry a Jewish person. Wow. Yeah, like mine <laughs> what was time, very... What temple did you go to? Uh, so when I was young, I went to Sukkot Shalom, which was really uh, I don't remember it that much, but it's in Wilmet, I believe. Maybe mm. they moved. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why. We just we moved to Evanston because. I don't know, taxes, I don't know what's up. But we moved to Evanston, then we joined Beth Emmett. But I don't know what was with my temple. Like, they were very, like, conscious about sex ed and about... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it's so god... Gosh darn weird. (laughs) Yeah, gotta gotta catch me on that one. Uh, Didn't want you have to bleep that one out. Uh, Dang. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, um... 
Uh, yeah. I started with Hebrew school. I want everybody to know I started with Hebrew school. It just got progressively weirder. <laughs> like, I learned the Hebrew alphabet. We learned about Israel. We learned about history. Mm. Then it was like, this is the penis. These are the <laughs> testicles. And it was like, whoa! It was like, whoa, where did we get this one? I swear, my Hebrew school had a better sex ed- education than New Trier's public like health thing. Oh my god! New Trier tries to speed I've through. I've never heard about it. I know. Before. So luckily, yes. our mothers covered all of that information. So, so I guess going back to you know uh, the the Judaism part, I think that it's interesting that every Jewish person you talk to. Um, a lot of them have different aspects of like what it means to be Jewish for them. Like, you know, you say, you know, you're agnostic, but yeah, you know, you also have an appreciation for going to New York. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, the the funniness of, course. of you know, the the Jewish family and mm-hmm. you know, comedy in general. Sure. So it's like I I think that like that can be of somebody's Jewish identity, that they just like appreciate those things. Because they are like inherently Jewish, and I think that sort of goes for me as well. Mm-hmm. That yeah, I li- I like that. I I think I'll never lose the sense of of being Jewish when I get older. If anything, I think I'll grow more into it. Cause you know, if there's ever a time you know where you're having a hard time, you can. There is a Jewish community, like mm-hmm. most places, I would say, in in the world have some sort of Jewish community and it's it's I think I don't think about it a lot but if I ever needed a place to fall back on and I had like zero friends like I guess I would go to a rabbi but, <laughs> to be your friend <laughs> no for like if I well yeah who knows maybe he's a cool rabbi but you know I think the little things like you know when the every year when you pass around the gefilte and you're like I hate this crap like <laughs> yeah exactly like, no, I completely agree that's disgusting. What? Gefilte. Gefilte. Oh, I don't... No, I'm not saying I like gefilte. What? I completely agree that yeah. uh, as I was growing up, going to Sunday school, I wanted to push myself away from, mm-hmm. you know, you know, um, you know, Tubish Vod or uh, what have you. Uh, you know, who likes Tubish Vod? Tubish Vod. But now that I am, I've matured... I think I have a more of appreciation for finding the Afikomen. Yes. And, yeah, uh, as a child, you never those, really understand how yeah. fun that is. No, just like those little bits and pieces of growing yeah. up mm-hmm. a Jewish child, like... Yeah. Reading the four questions. Exactly. Yeah. Boy, was that, a, that was an event. That was... It's also, you know, also just the opportunity to sit down with your family, maybe for a Passover dinner, right? Mm-hmm. Although it takes so long. Yeah, it does take long. It's like, let's read the entire Torah and then eat a piece of bread. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that sounded very bad, but that's kind of what it was, somewhat what it was like. Yeah. (laughs) I like, you know, introducing people who aren't Jewish to parts of Jewish culture that's funny. Like, you know. Uh, Yeah. Like, if if somebody that, if Uh, somebody that's, you know not Jewish, you introduce them to Kerber Enthusiasm and they like it. Mm-hmm. That, you, it warms your it heart. It warms your heart. It they're they're almost heart. indebted to you for life. Yeah. See, I do appreciate that. I love when non-Jews like Kerb or <laughs> yeah. things yeah. of the sort. I, I but, get bagel appreciation posts from some of my friends. Yeah. That are like, I like bagels and it's, you know, sometimes I think to myself, you know, non-Jews can like bagels but it's like Everybody hey if bagels. you thank me every time you have a bagel I'll take it like, yeah but my only problem is that 
a non-Jew watching Curb, I, there's so many Jewish yes. references mm. and yes. pickups that I make that I'm like, how could you possibly miss it? Yes. Pick up on these and find it as funny as we do. Especially, you know, the, you know, characters like Susie Green or even the episode where with the lawyer and he has the oh. shofar on his on his desk. Do you remember that episode? So there's um, a, there's this Larry, oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Larry yeah. David. He does it. As, uh, the lawyer does it as an act. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he says Mazel Tov, and Larry David thinks that this guy's Jewish. Jewish. Yeah. And he ends up being Irish. Yeah. Uh, you ever watch? You better call Saul. Yeah. No, I okay. don't. Watch well, that. yeah. Basically, his name's Saul, Saul Goodman. Goodman. So he does it. He does it. Uh, you know, for the stereotype, but. From what I've heard, most of my friends like Seinfeld. I've heard a couple of them that are like, "How do you like this?" Because they portray, you know, Jerry isn't a perfect Jew. He's kind of like, not the nicest person all the time. And I'm like, but that's a shtick, right? It's a shtick. Like he's not actually. If you meet Jerry Seinfeld in real per in real life, like obviously he might be a little bit mean to you. But I'm saying, <laughs> as as a general gist, like you can't watch Seinfeld and be like, oh, all Jews are X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. It's like, first of all, it's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it's a show about nothing. Like they yeah. don't do anything. Uh, and then apparently, but it's so good though. Oh, it's it's fantastic i mean yeah people that wow people that don't like seinfeld something like, oh something's it's not up. funny i mean the point is that it's not funny yeah, yeah. like he made millions joke. off of something that should have been canceled that's why it's so genius yeah yeah that's the joke you know well i think that just about wraps it up <laughs> this was an episode yeah <laughs> this yeah, was this a was well good. must needed episode yes yeah. we needed it well over, well over, long over <laughs> As Leo snacks on the one of his final pieces of challah, look. I'll we'll give it a shout out and a thank you to Leo. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the same. I mean, this was a gorgeous challah. Thirteen point five. And Jack hasn't had breakfast yet. No, I woke up. Really? Uh, oh, you woke up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woke up. Short, short before. Look, daylight savings. Yeah, it's a that, tough time of year, dude. Who chose it to be like daylight March? savings and blackout curtains are not a good combo. Mm-hmm. I woke up at like seven and I was like, "God damn!" Like, so we added an extra hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was twelve and then it went to one, right? Mm-hmm. So. Oh, so if I slept until nine today, it was really like eight. eight. Yeah, like eight. it sucks. Well, this has been a great episode. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Leo for doing... Absolutely Jack, not... And <laughs> Jack. And then Jack, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See you next week. Next yeah. time. Next <laughs> time. <laughs> it's a bi-weekly show. All right.